Hey there, Housing News listeners. This is Clayton Collins, the CEO at Housing Wire, and we are back for season two of the Housing News Podcast. We really hope you missed us, and we know it's been more than a more than a few weeks since we had our season one finale with Doug Duncan of Fannie Mae. But the good news is we are back for season two. And as we launch the second season of this weekly show, we're committed to continue to bring you perspective for some of the most impactful and influential leaders in the housing economy. In each episode, we'll invite one industry executive, learn about their background and story, then dive deep into the top headlines from the week, adding some executive perspective from our guests. Going into the second season, we're thrilled to welcome a new sponsor of the show, ArchMI. With interest rates at historical lows, refinances are booming. How do you win this business? It's simple. Lower the MI premium for your borrower. The newest feature of Arch's innovative RateStar platform, the RateStar Refinance Retention Program, makes it possible. Eligible borrowers with loans already insured by ArchMI can refinance into new loans with a lower MI premium. Give your refi customers a better deal. If you'd like to learn more about how RateStar powers possibilities, visit archmi.com forward slash RateStar Refi. We're also really proud to share that Housing Wire podcasts are now part of the Industry Syndicate. The Industry Syndicate has launched a podcast app made for real estate and mortgage pros by real estate and mortgage pros. Download the app from Apple or Google and join the community today. Without further ado, let's get started with episode one of season two. This week's guest was recently named CEO of one of the most iconic brands in real estate, a brand that he and his team are completely reimagining. His focus on defying mediocrity and delivering extraordinary experiences is energizing to say the least. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Housing News Podcast. This is Clayton Collins. I'm the president and CEO at Housing Wire. And this week, we have a really exciting guest, Mike Needler, the president and CEO of Century 21 Real Estate. Mike, welcome to the Housing News Podcast. Hey, Clayton, really appreciate the invite, buddy. I understand this is a really exciting year for you and Century 21 as a whole. So I'm excited to get into your story specifically. And our podcast, we always start out with stories. We think some of the most interesting parts of this industry are the people in it. And I know you've had a a long and successful path at at Realogy and Century 21. So I I understand the number 21 means a lot to you, and and it's not just in the name of your company. So tell us a little bit about your history at Realty and Century 21 and uh, and the significance of that number. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. So uh, literally in February of 98, uh, right out of college, I got the opportunity to start my professional career, uh, you know, at Century 21, and it uh, it was a fun time, and you know, now as I look at it, it's literally been 21 years um, where I've held, and I tell people I got started in the mailroom, I've held almost every single job inside the organization. You know, I've been uh, chief cook and bottle washer. Uh, I've worked my way up and I've, I've gotten such a great amount of insight and education through really being out there speaking with brokers and agents and consumers around the country and almost every nook and cranny around the globe uh, by just talking to them and meeting all types of individuals and uh, really got a great education over a long amount of time here at Century 21. And for the last probably eight or nine years, I was responsible for market share growth. I was 
uh, heading up our, uh, our sales efforts, uh, meaning selling more franchises, but more importantly, helping our existing franchisees grow through merger and acquisition strategies and recruiting and roll-ins and um, really getting to be in the market and understanding you know, where the market was headed, uh, where the industry was headed, and putting together a lot of uh, a lot of interesting deals and growing us into dark and underserved markets, and I I learned a lot about the business that way as well. Obviously, when you're in a sales role, you're asking a lot of questions and really trying to figure out what people are trying to accomplish for themselves, both professionally and personally. Um, and you know, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. It was it's been such a fun run, um, but I've also gotten to really understand what our agents are doing every single day, right? I, I know what it's like to prospect. I know what it's like to pre-qualify. I know what it's like to close. But more importantly, I know what it's like to have to really gain the emotional insight and really care for your customer and be able to communicate. So um, it's been a fun ride. And at the beginning of the year, 21 years in, uh, I got an opportunity to step into the largest role in the organization. And um, just super excited about it. It's been a fun, call it nine or 10 months at this point, uh, kind of a whirlwind, but uh, a lot of fun out there every single day visiting again with our agents and brokers around the country and uh, overseas. So going back 21 years, when you started at Realogy, which I believe was called, was that was under the Senate umbrella at the time, correct? It was Clayton. Yes, sir. You're, you're right. All right. So I, you're, you're on paper, your path looks extremely logical, promotion, promotion, promotion. But I imagine as, as an entrepreneur and a leader of a business, I know nothing is as uh, kind of straight, like a straight arrow as it, as it often looks on paper. So when you started in 98, did you have aspirations of ascending to the C-suite? Did you know the path you wanted to follow? And, 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 and if not, how has that path kind of like maneuvered uh, around the organization and through the industry to get you to the president and CEO seat of Century 21? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. I mean, you know, there's so many, like any, uh, any great stories of, of good leaders that are out there, you know, there's so many failures along the way and so many things that you didn't know that you were going to ta get tapped on the shoulder to do or that you were going to be really pushed outside of your comfort zone, Clayton. I mean, you and I just talked about, look, you're, you're not a real estate guy. You're from the banking industry and you know, here you are, you know, uh, in, in the real estate industry. And I think that's the great thing about, you know, any, um, any kind of uh, great story on, on how people start from, you know, kind of the beginning and, and escalate their careers. And there's, you know, so many brokers in our system who, you know, I don't know if they ever thought that they were going to be running regional companies with thousands of agents, uh, but they set out on this journey at one point in their career um, to do something a little bit better, to try to serve their communities a little bit better. Um, and, and, you know, like everything, we all learn uh, trial by fire, I think, by, you know, kind of, again, pushing out of your comfort zone, getting involved in things that sometimes you don't really know a whole lot about, but you got to, you know, push through and learn and uh, learn on the fly. And, you know, I, I think that's probably one of the things that's been most exciting about my career is that, you know, you always get these opportunities um, to really just just kind of expand your knowledge base. Um, and here in the new CEO role, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Um, it, and, and again, I think you the best part about it is that you've got to learn from your past, right? You learn from your, your past failures and, you know, what you've done in previous lives and try to overcome those. But, uh, you know, it, it, definitely, it definitely has been a long, windy road. And I can tell you, I, I never set out to say, hey, I want to be the CEO of a 
largest, most iconic real estate brand in the world. But I can tell you, my mom's real proud of me. <laughs> That's awesome. So looking back at all the, the roles and responsibilities and projects that, that took you out of your comfort zone, what, what do you think was, what was the most extreme situation that took you out of your comfort zone? Like what was the role? I don't know if it was a job or a specific project or situation, but yeah, wow, that's a great I, I question. I have to grow myself here. That's a great question. So I, so I love the sales world and the growth world because it was, it was doing something that I, I'd not done in the past, but it, it was, I think something that was um, something that was near and dear to what my skill sets and experiences were. I mean, generally, I think I've got the, you know, the, the salesmanship in me. What pushed me out of my comfort zone was uh, back in the downturn, uh, right in about 2009, I was asked by the then CEO, Tom Coons, to put together a national brokerage platform that was going to be essentially a LIFRO and hold licenses around the country for agents that were just going to be referral status only. And so along with weaving together this brokerage, um, and, and being licensed in every single state and understanding every state law related to holding a real estate broker's license. I also had to build a technology platform, uh, a technology platform that would allow the referral flow to happen, a technology platform that would market uh, to agents who might fit this category and be interested in this type of licensing, um, a, a, a marketing platform along with that technology, uh, you know, to, to get our name out there and to start building agent count. So um, it pushed me way outside of my comfort zone on a lot of different levels, being involved with, you know, putting together project plans for building technology and getting that stood up and then the marketing side. And, you know, like everything in, in business, you've got to hire people who are smarter than you are about that project and surround yourself with really good people. And, you know, to me, no matter what you're doing in life, uh, it's the team that really matters. And I think having the right people on the right seats on the bus is critical to anybody's success as they, as they go through these evolutions and you know, get put into places that they really don't know a whole heck of a lot about and are out of their comfort zone. So I was fortunate enough to get a lot of good people around me, had a great support staff, and you know, we, we got that thing off the ground and uh, raised it to a couple hundred agents. Um, and it, it was a fun project, but something I look back and say, boy, I, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> a tough project compounded by a very tough year. Um, 2009 must have been a tough, uh, uh, enough emotional things happening in, in our business and your business to um, take on a massive project like that. I can only imagine. Exactly right. So in, in your new role as president and CEO, what are you thinking is the most important part of your job today? And like, and as you're 10 months in, has, is what you thought would be the most important part uh, really something different and, um, and in terms of how you manage the business? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, as a real estate industry, we're at a point right now where there's, there's so much noise out there, right? There's, there's a lot of discussion around real estate. You know, we, we're in a situation where, you know, I think the number was 10 years ago, there was about $35 million of, outside investment that came into real estate brokerage in 2018 i think that number was about 4.5 or 5 billion dollars of outside investment that came not into real estate technology but real estate brokerage and i think you know along the way there's there's so many you know outside distractions or noise that can occur in our space but if you really look at the real estate business and real estate professionals and those who continuously have success and have it over long periods of time, 
it's really all surrounding the customer experience. And so, you know, right now for us, um, we've been on this mission, on this journey, really, as a Century 21 brand to defy mediocrity and deliver extraordinary experiences to our customer. And we, from a corporate perspective, are trying to walk that talk now and provide our agents and our brokers the tools, the systems, the technology, the mindset, the coaching, the training, everything that goes along with them being able to communicate more effectively with their customers, but at every step along the way, Clayton, provide an extraordinary experience. And, and here's kind of what I mean. This, this is the, an infrequent process that people go through. It is a very emotional process, but it's also many times the largest financial transaction that anybody's gonna do in their lifetime. And like you and I were talking earlier, where a lot of people's general wealth belongs in their house, you know, where a lot of their memories will be made in their house, in their home. And so, you know, we as real estate professionals are really given a big responsibility. And that is to take this customer through this journey. And the journey starts with looking online and, you know, checking out the neighborhoods you like and getting a lot of information, a lot of information that years ago the real estate agent had and they helped, right? But today they can get that information through, you know, the internet or certain websites. Today, after they actually pick the house that they like and make an offer, depending what state you're in, depending on what market, there's 180 steps that it takes in order to get the keys to that home and close on your experience, on your transaction. And I think it's incumbent upon us as real estate professionals to really make every step along the way an awesome experience. And that's kind of what we're looking at from a Century 21 perspective. And we have a a lot of data and proof points around it that are pushing our professionals to deliver that experience to their consumer in every single interaction that they have along the home buying and selling process. Okay, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. One of the things that, that really caught my ear was the defying mediocrity. And as, as a housing wire, as we look to, to build our, our audience of real estate agents and, and brokers, we look at this overall landscape of approximately 2 million licensed real estate professionals, but then you, you start digging the data and you see this massive group of, of inactives and, 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 low, and low volume, and, and then you have this, this upper tier of, of top producers that are, are doing a lion's share of the, of the volume. And uh, so you, it seems like as a culture in real estate, there is a, a certain degree of mediocrity that's just acceptable by, by, the, by the job category. But then there's this group of people, I, mean, I, I just, uh, I met Ryan Serhant, Sirhan on Saturday. He is not mediocrity. The guy is shooting for the stars. And, um, and then you, so you have that upper tier of people who are just shooting at an entirely different trajectory. So as you think about mediocrity and aspiration um, and, and goal setting and uh, just expectations in the industry, how do you, what do you, what do you want for Century 21? Are you okay with that a, a population of inactives or do you want everybody shooting for um, a, a superior performance? Yeah, that, it's a great question. So, so uh, a couple of different levels on that question. So first, you're right. I think, you know, the real estate industry as a whole has a low barrier to entry, right? Um, you know, there's a joke back in the heyday that more people had their, uh, had their real estate license than their driver's license in the state of California, right? And the truth of the matter is that, you know, in our industry, there are a lot of bro- or agents out there that um, have their license and they're just hanging it up. Um, and it's a second career, 
or that they hang it because, you know, their friends or family might transact and they want to, you know, help them through that process. Uh, but there's so many who don't even do a single transaction. In fact, I, I think the numbers I've heard is, is, is as, as high as 50% of the licensees out there don't do a single transaction. Then you look at the next level, and I think you're dead on, Clayton. The next level, there's, there's a, a huge marketplace where they do like one or two transactions. And then my experience is, and, and I see this, you know, just throughout my travels and, you know, if you look in any of the MLSs across the marketplace, really the 80-20 rule has turned into the 90-10 rule. I um, mean, it's 10% of the agents, it's 10% of the brokerages that are really controlling 90% of the marketplace and the transactions. I mean, you know, if you think about it, if you were going to purchase or consume real estate, sell your house. Would you go to a real estate agent that did three transactions last year? Or would you look for the, trans the agent who knew and was experienced in the way that they go about their business and could handle any situation, right? I mean, real estate agents are expected to be so much, right? They've got to they've be salespeople, market knowledge experts, great negotiators. They're, you know, contractors, they're moving services, they're marriage counselors. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a difficult job to be a real estate agent. But at the end of the day, again, we're talking about the largest single financial transaction that somebody's going to make. We're talking about in a, an industry that's close to 20% of the GDP here in this country. And surrounding every single real estate transaction, there's a ton of economic activity that happened right in the local community. So we are like drivers of the economy. And I think you know, to that point, we want our agents, we want the people who represent the Century 21 brand, who carry that Century 21 card and wave the Century 21 flag to really be the experts in their market. And again, communicate and care for their customer in a way that's going to continue to earn them repeat and referral business. Um, I'll say this real quick. We, we've been at kind of measuring experience or measuring customer service for almost 20 plus years. We have uh, something called the Quality Service uh, award and quality service program that we offer at Century 21 for many years. And, and we survey back our clients and we find that our agents who score 90% above or above in those surveys versus everybody else in the category who score below 90% or who don't score at all do twice the amount of units than anybody else in our system. So I think it speaks for itself. I can't even tell you the amount of stories that I hear about agents who've been at it so long that don't even have to go out and prospect anymore. They earn everything from repeat and referral business because they're known for their customer service. It was a unique industry where quality and quantity can be like directly correlated. The more deals you're doing, the more experience you have, the bigger your network is, the bigger your buyer base is, and the better the experience becomes for your buyer or your seller. Absolutely agree. Okay. All right, so, so culturally at Century 21, in terms of recruiting, acquisition, um, employee development, uh, performance management, like what do you do to manage the organization and the team to, to have a culture of people that are doing volume and being able to provide that level of expertise? Yeah, so it, it's a great question. So a couple of things. One is we're always pushing our folks, if they're not measuring themselves on quality service, that they start doing it. I mean, we're, we're in a day and age where you know, the, we're in this experience economy, right? We're in an experience economy where, you know, the reason I go to Starbucks in every city I'm in is because I know what the coffee is going to be like. I know the barista is going to be nice. I know 
the experience I'm going to get with the music walking in the door. And, and as consumers in this experience economy, we have to be better suited to provide that all along the way. And so, you know, we're pushing our agents from a learning perspective and more importantly, Clayton, I think it's more of a mindset perspective, right? To us, it's, it's a shift in the way that people think about, uh, you know, we, we said this before about the transaction. It, it really shouldn't be a transaction. This should be an experience for your consumer. So, you know, one of the things we find, and we're, we're literally going to roll out this program next week um, at our leadership event, is that the success of agents is really incumbent upon their local leader, their local office manager, the one that they go to every day for advice, the one they go to to help doctor deals and, and, and help them along in the real estate process. Um, and we're rolling out an entire program surrounding the culture the mindset and delivering extraordinary from the management level down to the agent. So, you know, we're really trying to put our money where our mouth is related to that. I'll give you one other instance that we're looking at very seriously right now is that um, we had what we call our agent intelligence group in just last week. It's a group of 18 of our high performing agents who give tremendous quality service. And one of the things we heard from them over and over and over again is that what separates them on a success scale is their ability to communicate. And if there were ways that Century 21 could elevate that communication to their customer, it would really help enable what they're doing and really help enable the extraordinary experience. So without giving away a whole lot of what I would call uh, secrets, we're really looking at how we can provide, whether it be through technology or platforms, a better ability for our agents to communicate with their customer at every step along the way, whether it be, you know, the home inspection or, uh, you know, um, uh, when they go and they're, they're going to uh, put and submit an offer, what the attorney or what the escrow company says. So really just trying to enable with those type of tools to help provide more extraordinary to their customers. So when we talk to mortgage professionals and, and, and real estate agents, we kind of hear this like, like mutual ask from both sides. Like the mortgage lenders want more communication from the real estate agent. The real estate agent says, the only way I'm doing business with you is if you communicate with me more. And then you have like, then you have title and everybody else in, in the transaction. Oh yeah. And then there's the homeowner over there who wants to be communicated to as well. So in your focus on increasing communication, are you, are you focusing on that, that agent um, homeowner or, or, or home buyer interaction? Or are you looking at like the whole ecosystem of all the constituents that are taking those 180 steps that you Exactly. I, I, and Clayton, I, I think, you know, you hit it dead on. I think it's got to be the entire ecosystem, right? Because, you know, the, the agent, the agent's responsible throughout the process for really caring for the customer. And, and here's the truth, right? We're one of the only industries where you have competing agents sitting across the table from one another representing buyer and seller, and they've got to work together in order to get an experience or a tra transaction completed, right? And a lot of times these folks are butting heads or they're negotiating against one another. They've got to deliver tough news. Um, it, it's really an interesting industry in that regard. And so to me, sometimes your agent can can get a bad rap because of, like you said, other people along the process that they can't necessarily control. The other agent, the mortgage company, the escrow, the attorney, the, you know, the, the like you said, 180 other things that are happening in this process. And so 
um, it, it has to be in the entire ecosystem, A to Z. One of the difficulties of doing that and really getting it into a detailed approach is that, again, in every single marketplace, uh, transactions are, are, are transacted differently, right? In Northern and Southern California, there's two different ways that you, you know, you close escrow. So um, it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those things and one of those components that I feel why the agent is so important in delivering the value in this process and why, you know, we'll never be disintermediated or taken out of the equation because it's just so complex, so cumbersome, um, not only financially and process-wise, but emotionally as well. Um, so, yes, I, I think it's got to contain the entire ecosystem. So, so this focus on increasing communication seems to align really closely with the, the broader industry trend of a shift from transactional to experiential. And I know you mentioned experience uh, several times there. This seems to be something that the, the entire real estate industry is focused on. And, and uh, I, I know I've heard people say it's, uh, well, we're being pro proactive and improving the experience, but then there's also like the, uh, the pushing force or pulling force of, of, of Open Door and Zillow and the, the, the more tech enabled um, real estate uh, experiences. Uh, that are that are forcing other players to to take a second look at the way they transact. How how do you think about what do you, what do you think about is differentiated in your approach at Century Twenty One to focusing on the experience versus what consumers might be um, getting used to in terms of their broader like digital experience with uh, with on a on an MLS platform or with Zillow or or even just buying. Um, toiletries for their home on Amazon. It seems like the digital experience is, uh, is setting, the, setting the tone for the overall expectation of a transaction. Yeah, it's a great question. I think the reason that you have um, folks coming into the industry um, who are trying to make it, you know, the reason that there's an opportunity for iBuying is because people want the convenience of being able to understand that they can get a certain market value for their home. It's going to be below market as we know um, because of what they need to do in order to fix it, flip it, and get it back onto market. But the, the reason they want to do that is because they don't want people traipsing through their house at open houses or coming late at night when their kid's trying to sleep in order to view a house and have to go through that haggle and hassle. I think, I think that as we evolve as, uh, as, as, as an industry, that we're going to need to figure out how to continuously keep the consumer top of mind. And I think as an industry, we could probably do a better job and probably work better together um, in order to, you know, provide that experience. You know, I, I'll give you a couple of examples. It's, it's when you look across the industry and your, your point to the, the mortgage before is, you know, a lot of us don't really work well with one another across parts of the transaction. Um, not only that, but all of our systems, whether it's a local MLS or a board or some type of uh, CRM or closing tool, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of technologies that are out there in the real estate industry and none of them talk to one another. None of them help the consumer through the transaction. And so, you know, one of the things that we're looking at from a technology standpoint, and we've learned this lesson over the last few years, is that different agents and different consumers use different technologies in order to run their business and communicate. So we're looking at an open architecture platform where we can plug and play these different technologies so that they all can speak with one another in this ecosystem of the transaction. 
Uh, it's one of the things that I think the industry owes to the consumer. And if we want to stay relevant in the process, if we want to keep you know, outside companies from coming in and investing and try to find a better way to do it, we as real estate professionals need to be on the forefront working more together, more homogeneously in order to accomplish that for our consumer. So, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the points, but you know, at the end of the day, you go back to the 180 steps and it's really just being cognizant and caring in each component along the way. I mean, I, I think that's where really where the rubber hits the road. You know, um, we talk about all these entrants, all these folks who are coming in, but believe it or not, Clayton, more people are using real estate agents today than they did back in the 80s and 90s. And as millennials who are going to be driving that next wave of home ownership come into the space, they, believe it or not, are using real estate agents more than any other previous cohort. So I think if we can continue to provide that communication, clarity, and, and guidance through the process, um, you know, we'll be in a good spot. It's just we've got to figure out every single day how to make it better and easier for our consumer. What do you think is driving millennials, this, this next big wave of home buyers that uh, a, a lot of news outlets said was never going to come, but it is here. It is real. We just got married a little later than everybody else thought we would. Um, <laughs> they're buying homes. So what's driving millennials to your Century 21 agents today? Exactly right. So I, I think what's driving uh, millennials to Century 21 agents is the fact that we are a household brand. Um, you know, we've been around for 50 years, probably the originator in the space. Uh, we're probably the largest on the planet. We're in 82 countries, 130,000 sales professionals in uh, over 10,000 offices. We just broke the 10,000 office uh, barrier globally this summer. Um, and so when you say real estate, when you say Century 21, they're synonymous. You don't have to explain that Century 21 is part of real estate. We've been around forever. And I think that millennials are, who are more going out and, and, and researching and looking at ratings and reviews are saying, you know, this is a brand I can trust. This is a brand my grandfather trusted, my parents trusted, uh, and a brand that I know well that in the most important, you know, uh, financial decision I'm going to make that I've got somebody who's been doing this for over 50 years that I can trust to be a local market knowledge expert when I'm ready to transact. I think the, the mortgage industry thought that millennials were going to be the first ones to jump on to push button, get mortgage and go for the digital experience. But reality and, and data has shown that that first time home buyer is the one who actually wants the handholding and that the, uh, the person who's done it two or three or four times is probably a little more comfortable with the digital experience. Are you seeing similar trends on the, on the, the agent side of, of the industry where uh, the first time home buyer wants that handhold experience, but the um, someone who's moving in or downsizing as an empty nester or doing like their third or fourth home purchase, like what is, um, is there a difference in like the, in the type of interaction they expect with an agent or their, their interest in working with an agent in one of your 10,000 brick and mortar shops? So, so anecdotally, absolutely, we're, we're hearing that a lot is that, you know, the folks who have done this two or three times are more comfortable. But again, we, we have a lot of agents who serve investors that, that are doing this, you know, for their hundredth or, 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 you know, 200th time, right? Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's certainly the millennials, the first timers, the ones who are kind of, you know, entering into the real estate space for the first time that really need that Sherpa through the process, right? They, they don't understand what they're getting themselves into. And I think that's why the statistics bear out that 
91% of millennials are using an agent um, because, you know, they truly see the value and they're, 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 well, people are coming to the transaction more educated and they know probably even a little bit more about the house and the taxes and the school system based on what they've researched and read online. Um, they, they really do want that person to guide them through those 180 steps. On the other side, you know, you have the, the folks who have transacted multiple times and I think, you know, to some level or some degree they have comfort, right? Um, that's why years ago you, you probably saw so many for sale by owners out there. But again, I think, I think the marketplace is, is so complex and moving so quickly and there's so many different options and opportunities, even from an iBuying front, when you talk about iBuying, there's a lot of agents I know who are consulting on the iBuying side of the equation uh, because their sellers are looking for, what does this really mean? Am I really taking as much of a discount as I should be? Um, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, again, I, I always think human interaction, human nature is to, you know, get something confirmed by people they trust and, and know and can respect. And I, I, I just feel like that, that will always continue in our space. Our uh, real estate editor, KK Halley, has, has talked a few times about that iBuying has always existed. It just used to be an agent, had a back pocket group of investors that they would take deals to as a, as a backup if a, if a property wouldn't move or somebody wanted to move quickly. So this whole wave of iBuying is, is just a, an online iteration of something the industry has always done. And uh, so on that topic, we, we covered recently that, that Realogy, the, the C21 um, parent organization, I guess you would call it correct, um, recently unveiled a new iBuying alternative uh, partnered with uh, Home Partners of America and definitely seems to be a different flavor of, of iBuying compared to like what's captured the headlines for the last 18, 24 months. So uh, can, can you tell us a little more about that program and, uh, and like kind of the, the true scale and impact on, on your business? Uh, absolutely. So, so I think iBuying is here to stay. I think uh, KK makes a great point in that, you know, we buy ugly houses has been around forever, right? And, and to, your, to your earlier point, I mean, there's, there's a market rate and, and people are going to, you know, go and transact based on what that market rate is. And if you can offer them convenience and quick turnaround for a discounted rate, um, you know, people are sometimes willing to take that. I, I do, I do, I'm curious to see what happens with iBuying. I just read an article just literally yesterday that says iBuying is literally like less than 20 basis points of the marketplace right now. Because um, I, I, I truly yeah, think the that- The headline to market impact ratio is kind of off on, uh, on iBuying right now. <laughs> but, but, but it's an interesting phenomenon. I mean, we're not going to put our heads in the sand and that's why we're saying, look, the consumer wants convenience. The consumer wants, you know, wants to be in and out quickly um, in, in a lot of respects. And sometimes they have to be. Now, again, we've seen iBuying really evolve here when, you know, uh, market prices have gone up for, what is it, 80 or 90 straight months. Um, it will be interesting to see how much of a discount uh, iBuyers have to take or are willing to take from a selling perspective when, you know, the market starts going in a different direction or levels off. So that, that's yet to be seen. But from a Realty perspective in Century 21, we know it's here to stay. I mean, it's, it, 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 we shouldn't put our head in the sand. It offers a certain level of convenience and there's going to be a certain segment of the marketplace that's going to be interested in that type of transaction. Um, we rolled it out uh, in Dallas and I believe it was Denver 
earlier this year has seen a tremendous amount of success. But what we're trying to do, Clayton, is we're trying to even perfect it a little bit further, right? Uh, you know, Ford, with, with what they've done in the automobile industry, they weren't the first at it, but they, they really perfected it and made it better um, for their time. And so, you know, we're taking a look at the iBuying space and saying, hey, look, we can offer a consumer, a home seller, the ability to take an offer from us and know for certain that they're going to get a set price for their house and not have to traipse anybody through it. But we're also keeping our agents right in the middle of the transaction and the experience by saying, but let me also try to put your home on the market and see if I can't do better for you. See if I can't still deliver that quick instantaneous close that you're looking for, but also get you a better price. And I think, you know, I think that's kind of in, of interest to consumers. I think it's of interest to home sellers because, you know, who doesn't want full market price unless there's, you know, some, some personal need in the background that says I got to get out of this house quickly. It's probably a pretty good value prop for the agent as well. If you're uh, to, to help avoid those lingering listings that just sit out there for uh, four months, five months, 247 days and are never going to sell like this, this is a good alternative for uh, for an agent to help their client achieve what they want to achieve. I would agree. And it just, it, it, again, it brings, it brings more, um, it brings more options to the consumer. And I think, Again, as a real estate industry, we're going to have to continue to provide more options as the home buyers and sellers get more sophisticated, as we continue to go through this experience economy, the now economy, the technology-driven economy. I think we're going to have to offer that for our, uh, our home buyers and sellers out there. And we, we, you know, that's not the last product that will evolve. There'll be many more iterations uh, that we see, I think, through the industry as we kind of continue. Yep. Awesome. So uh, as we zoom out in the broader housing economy, two words keep coming up and in any housing circle you, you run in, whether you're with mortgage professionals or real estate professionals or investors or builders, inventory and affordability. Um, they seem to be the, the, the two things that are, um, that are controlling our market. And we won't even get into mortgage rates right now. Um, I think inventory and affordability are, are really where uh, a lot of people's focus is and uh, so from a leading Century 21 and putting together your, your strategy for 19, your growth plans for 2020, how did those two metrics on uh, available inventory and affordability impact the way you're, you're setting your strategy for, for future years and, and building the business so your agents will be successful? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, inventory and affordability across the board are uh, an issue right now. I, I mean, obviously, real estate is a cyclical market, right? Um, it generally runs every seven or eight years. Now we've seen probably one of the longest run-ups um, going on ten plus years um, from a you know from a, a price standpoint that we've seen a long time. And I, I think you know what's interesting is I, I heard the uh, statistic out of NAR is you know our 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 new first-time buyers are different. Um, and I think that's where, not just anecdotally, but I think the statistics will show is that where affordability and inventory are a problem is really in that first-time home buyer range. Anything from 75% to 125% of the average sales price or the median sales price in a market. Um, and what's even more interesting is that, you know, as we came out of the 2008, 2009 great depression that we saw in this industry and, you know, across the stock market, um, you know, what, what, what you have is this, this long pent up demand that I think we're seeing right now. Take that and compound it with the fact that, you know, the, 
the millennial subset, uh, the folks who are graduating college, and like you're saying, starting families a little bit later, you know, they're, they're coming out with, I think the average is like $40,000 in, in, in student debt, right? Compounded with the fact that, you know, the starting average salary is around $39,000 out there. I also heard this statistic, which is interesting, that people over the age of 60 have 1,250% more student debt than they had a decade ago because they're putting their kids through college, right? Or, or they've gone back to school themselves to further their education and, you know, maybe their career. So um, it's just an interesting phenomenon. And I think affordability is, is a real issue. It's a real problem. Um, and I think it's driven mainly by inventory, right? Normal inventory uh, in this country across the United States is anywhere from five to six months. Uh, over the last couple years here, and you know, we've seen our, our around average of about four. Uh, I think inventory went back down last month to 4.1 percent from 4.2 the previous month. So 4.4 months of supply is you know a tough spot. I'm hearing a lot of stories anecdotally across the country as I talk to agents that you know if you're looking in that first time home buyer market, you could see as low as one to two months in some marketplaces. And that if it's priced right, it's literally moving in, in a weekend with multiple offers. Um, now, what's not moving as quickly from an inventory perspective is that higher end, right? The, the uh, 1.5 to, to two times the average sales price in a market is moving a little bit more slowly. And certainly the luxury or high end is, is even a little bit slower than that. So, you know, whether it be from a politics standpoint and, and, and pushing government to figure out ways that we can start building more and get more incentives for builders to get uh, houses, you know, up and, and, and into, a, uh, into the inventory space or, um, you know, just trying to figure out how we create more uh, sustainable housing for folks at that kind of entry level. We've got to figure it out because as I think the number is what I've heard recently is that from 2015 to 2025, there's going to be, 16 million new household formations, mainly driven by the 90 million millennials that are out there, plus people who are coming and immigrating to this country. And, and you know, that's more than any of the previous four decades. And we're at a place where, you know, we're short on housing and, and we need to get more housing out there. And in order to, to figure out and, and get homes for people who, you know, want to live in this country. So, uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. You hear a lot of reasons why people aren't building, you know, whether it be labor, laws, lumber, you know, you can get into a lot of political talk about it, but we, we do we do need to do something about it as a country and about it as an industry. So today, how are the most effective agents advising their first time homebuyer clients who, who want to get in at a, at a, an average entry level home price like are they if like let's use dallas for example are they pushing them out to the exurbs are you saying like the like you probably need to go a little further out than you thought you did like what what are they think saying rent rent a little bit longer like what what's the advice that that the best agents are are using to help those those millennials that are forming families and are ready to to make that step into home ownership I, I think that's a great point. I think it's, it's, it's mostly about education, about what you can afford in what marketplaces. And that's why it's important, you know, to have and use a real estate expert, not just, not just along the home buying and selling process, but as you try to figure out what your personal plan is going to be. And so, you know, I've, I've heard those stories as well. 
Um, we've had a lot of folks who are renting who can absolutely, with their mortgage, afford to be in a house and start building equity for themselves. And our folks are trying to push them out to further suburbs, but they like their easy commute into work. And they like the fact that the restaurant's right down the street and the Starbucks is walkable. Um, and they're not willing to give up the lifestyle, which, you know, I, I can certainly understand. Uh, but there are others who, you know, are starting a family. Um, if, they're, if they're looking at having kids and, and want to get into, you know, areas that may have better school systems one day, uh, they might be looking. They might be willing to look and, and go outside. So I think I think it's all about education in the marketplace, and I think that's why it's extremely important, even if it's in the search process, that you have a great real estate agent along your side and right next to you to help you develop what your plan is going to be and what your options are. All right, Mike. So 21 years in at, at Realogy and Century 21. Um, you've, seen, you've seen the model evolve. You've seen a lot, a lot of ups and downs. What is your vision going out another 21 years? <laughs> what's your vision for the future of the real estate transaction? Where, where do you expect us to be and we're kind of turning the corner into, into 2040? You know, I, I love that question because I, I think as an industry, right, this is not just a Century 21 vision, but as an industry, if we could provide an easier way to transact in less amount of time that's of less burden to our consumer and really can provide what we would call a more seamless, more digitalized transaction, you know, we, we average about what, five plus or minus million home sales a year. That means 10 plus or minus million sides a year. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe people would move more frequently. Maybe folks would, you know, give a house in one neighborhood a try and uh, you know, then move on to another home in another neighborhood because the ease of the transaction and getting in and out of a home. Um, but I think it's, it, it really is. It's incumbent upon us as an industry to look at what the consumer truly wants and to really ease that process. And so whether it's a company like Century 21, who's going to try to continue to elevate and educate their agents in order to keep experience top of mind, or we help through tools and communication uh, with the consumer in that process. I mean, we always have to be evolving. But I, I will say this, I think that no matter what happens in our industry, the fact that this is such an infrequent purchase and the fact that it is so emotional and financially driven, I think that a great real estate agent who truly understands how to care for their customer and communicate to them we will always be part of that transaction. We just got to figure out how to make it simpler for our consumers. Awesome, Mike. Thank you for your time today. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Needler, president and CEO of Century 21. Mike, it's a pleasure. Clayton, likewise, buddy. Pleasure meeting you. We'll talk in the future. Nice meeting you. Talk to you soon. And that's a wrap for episode one of season two of the Housing News Podcast. We have an incredible lineup of episodes coming out in the next few weeks, including Ryan Serhant of Million Dollar Listing, Gary Beasley from Roofstock, and Darren Bloomquist from Auction.com. If you're interested in learning more about RHMI's RateStar Refinance Retention Program, make sure to visit RHMI.com forward slash RateStar Refi. And don't forget to download the Industry Syndicate app to stay in the loop on new episodes of housing news and a collection of other real estate and mortgage shows. See you next week.